Hey there traders, looking to take the guesswork out of trading and only 10 minutes a day? Then you need to head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com right now, where you can get our five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading in only 10 minutes per day. And the only place to get that is at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm always curious if people think that entrepreneurs are born or if they're made. And, and I think it's an interesting question because I have fallen in the middle. I, I, I don't think they're necessarily only born or made. I think sometimes there are entrepreneurs that are kind of born entrepreneurs, but they're never put in the environment for that to flourish. This is the How to Trade Stocks Options Podcast, brought to you by 10MinuteStockTrader.com, where we cover finance, stocks, options, entrepreneurship, education, and money. And here's your host, voted one of the top 100 people in finance, Christopher Ewell. Hey there, traders. Welcome back to today's How to Trade Stocks Options podcast. Today, we have a special lesson for you. I'm putting it here on the podcast because I really believe that this is going to provide you massive, massive value. And that's what I'm trying to do here. And hey, listen, if this podcast was useful to you at all, I really highly suggest that you go check out the full trading course at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com. Hey, make sure you subscribe and hit the bell so you'll be notified every time we give you more tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter every single week. Hey there, traders. Welcome back to today's How to Trade Stocks Options podcast. Today, we have a special guest online, Mike Simmons. Now, Mike is a podcast host himself, and I'm going to do my best to read his bio and give him all the due credit that he deserves. Mike is a real estate mentor, coach, and partner in seven-figure flipping, one of the nation's largest real estate mastermind groups. As the owner of a successful real estate investing company and also a partner in one of the country's largest real estate mentorship mastermind companies, Mike specializes in helping entrepreneurs create systems, processes, and automations that allow them to work in their business and not be a slave to it. Mike is also the producer and host of Just Start Real Estate Podcast. He has conducted over 350, well, actually 450 interviews at this point with entrepreneurs who run six, seven, and eight figure businesses. And additionally, he has a brand new book that just came out called Level Jumping, How I Grew My Business to Over $1 Million in 12 Months. Mike, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, I got to tell you, when, when uh, you and I were emailing ahead of time, um, your concern was, Chris, I don't know anything about trading stocks and options. And I was like, Mike, I don't know anything about real estate investing. And so I was like, this is perfect. I can learn from you. You can learn from me and our audience can all learn together. So that was one of the reasons I was really excited that you were uh, available to come on the show today because I got a lot of questions and, and I'm sure somebody like you has got, got a lot of answers. So Mike, let's, uh, let's get into it. How did you get started in, in real estate? It's funny. Uh, so I, I was in the corporate world. I'm in Michigan. So automotive, very he heavy automotive influence. I worked for an automotive company and I just, you know, like a lot of people, not, not a really unique story. I wasn't happy. I hated my nine to five. And, and interestingly enough, my first thought of how do I get out of this rat race? Like, how do I 
really make my money work for me and how do I invest for the future? And stocks came to mind because that's all I, I could even think of, right? Like at the time, like day trading was a big kind of a buzz thing and I was trying to figure it out. But as I started digging into that world and investing and typing, investing into Google and, and all these things, I eventually hit real estate. Stocks and things just wasn't for me. I just could tell I was square peg in a round hole. It wasn't something that I was drawn to. Uh, but I found real estate that way. Because if you scroll down far enough into investing in, in, in Google, you'll find real estate. And it just, I, I was floored. I, I just was enthralled. I was reading success stories and kind of going down that rabbit hole. And I spent, you know, I, I tell people this, I really didn't talk about this for a long time because I was sort of embarrassed, but I made the decision I wanted to do something with my life and I wanted to make a change and I wanted to get out of that rat race. And it took me five years to actually take action. And that's really bad because I'm all about action now. And I, I preach action and just start real estate. Like you mentioned, it's like, just start, like, just go, like stop making excuses. And I was an excuse machine. I was afraid of everything, you name it. I was afraid that was going to happen and, and that I was going to look stupid. I was going to lose money and all these things. I had a house and kids and, you know, car payments and, and, but, you know, after five years, I kind of hit rock bottom with myself and said, I'm going to do this now or never. And the, the last thing I want is ever to look back when I'm older and have regret. Regret scares me more than failure. You know, and at that point I realized regret was more scary to me than failure. Failure. So um, made an offer on my first house and my wife and I went into business as, as flippers. And, and by the way, she works full-time, I worked full-time and we had kids and friends and family and all that. We did it all in private. We didn't tell anybody what we were doing because we were still afraid of the like people telling us we're making a mistake or that we're crazy. And when I started, it was 08. Right. So remember back to what real estate and the world, the state of the world was in 08, 09. You know, if you go on, if you listen to TV or the radio or whatever, everyone's screaming, prices are dropping, house prices are dropping. Um, the stock market was doing its thing too, but house price, everyone was yelling, get out of real estate, like get, like run. Right. Yeah. So very similar to the stock market, when the value of something drops, dramatically and kind of artificially, that's kind of a good time to think about buying, right? And kind of so speculating. You were, you were like, getting in at the bottom or were you getting in at the top during 08? Like, no, what, I was in getting 08? in. I started to get in at the downward, you know, the downward as it was going down, I was getting in. And by the time I bought my first house, it had almost bottomed out. So I, I, I got in right at the right time. Very coincidental. It wasn't me timing the market as a savvy investor. I just, that's when I finally got the nerve. And I did it and everyone was going, get out. And I was, I was buying houses and, and back then it was fish in a barrel. You could buy as many houses as you want at a ridiculously low price. Now selling them, they were still low, right? So I'm buying a house at whatever and I'm selling it. It's, I'm selling it for far less than it was worth a year and a half ago. But the barrier to entry got lowered when the house prices dropped so far. And the stock market, there were people who had money in the stock market that were looking for other vehicles because they weren't getting the returns that they wanted either. So private investing and people, just individuals who were had you know some level of wealth were interested in, in lending money to real estate investors at the time. So I, I had a really good timing as far as all that goes. So are you primarily a, uh, a house flipper or are you, um... I guess you could say an asset gather in order to get the the income from uh, rental property. Um, 
honestly, primarily neither. And I'm going to blow your mind. You just told me you don't know a lot about real estate. Not much at all. No. So I'm going to introduce you to a concept that you may or may not have heard of. It's not a unique concept, but in real estate, people don't really think about it. So we started off as house flippers, my wife and I. We were buying houses, undervalued, putting equity into them, and then selling them at a higher price. That's Everyone knows what that is. The second thing you reference is basically rentals, like buying something and holding onto it for like this residual income. So what my real estate company does primarily, not exclusively, but primarily, is we identify those houses like a house flipper. We our, our business finds undervalued properties or people who want to sell at a significant discount. We get that property under contract and sell the contract to a house flipper or landlord. It's called wholesaling. Uh, it's been around forever, but mm. that primarily- Wait, that, I'm a, uh, Dean Graziosi, is that what he does? Do you know um, Dean Graziosi? You know I know the name. I'm not really familiar with okay, what he does. Okay, because I feel like I've heard of the wholesaling before and that's where I heard it from. Yeah. Okay. Probably. I, I am remarkably uh, uh, uneducated about other people in this space. I just don't care what anybody else does. So I just do my own thing. But yeah, I've heard the name. It's probably what he's doing. It's called wholesaling. It happens in other industries. It's not unique to, to real estate. But my my company is essentially a sales and marketing company. We go out, we we do marketing, we find opportunities, we take control of the of that asset and then we sell that control to somebody who wants to buy it and flip it or hold it as a rental. So it's like, I think of my company as those those businesses back in the gold rush that were selling picks and axes that really got rich to the people who are looking for gold, right? If you're a house flipper, the biggest problem house flippers have and landlords for that matter are finding great deals to, to flip or to hold as a rental. So my company just specializes in finding those and then selling them to them at a slight markup. And then they, they make a much bigger margin on the back end, but we just take our, our cut in the middle. And you know, it, the great thing about wholesaling is, and the reason I gravitate toward it, I used to be a house flipper. I went more to this is over the years, hiring and learning to build a team and, and manage people, I became very interested in pro, uh, personality profiles, right? These assessments like the DISC and the Colby and these different um, assessments. And I, I take them myself, obviously. And what I found about myself is I get frustrated by things that move slowly. I'm a very, very impatient person. And so even flipping can take you know, three to six months to flip a property from end to end. That moves slow for me and it frustrates me. Wholesaling is very fast. I find a property, I get it under contract, I sell the contract, close and get paid within a month, sometimes less, sometimes within a week. And so that velocity is very attractive to me. I just, I, I, it happens to fit my personality better. So in my company, the mantra is speed, 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 speed. I wanna sign the contract and get it dispositioned as fast as possible. So we end up doing, uh, last year was a down year from volume wise, but over the last six years, we average about a hundred deals a year. Um, and, and so in most of them are wholesaling and, and then we probably do a handful, maybe five to 10 flips during that time too. So I, we still do those when it makes sense. And I do have a rental portfolio. I have about 15 or 16 rentals now. Um, so I'm doing all of it, but, but wholesaling is the primary mode. And it also keeps me a little bit, it, 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 it shields me from, from the market a little bit or from the fluctuations because I'm in and out of a deal within weeks, right? So it's very difficult for me to get caught with my pants down like people did in, in 07, 08, when they had all these big projects going on and then the market tanked and they're holding all these projects that are way underwater, right? I don't find myself in that position because I tend to move quickly. That makes a lot of sense. So what what changed? <clears throat> I mean, you went from somebody who took five years to, to make a start and now you're like a five week kind of person to, to flip yeah. something over. Yep. Um, what changed? Uh, 
I'll tell you what changed. Two things. I, I've said this before, and I'm, I'm I like to ask this question on my podcast, but I won't I won't I won't start asking you questions. But I'm always curious if people think that entrepreneurs are born or if they're made. And and I think it's an interesting question because I have fallen in the middle. I I, I don't think they're necessarily only born or made. I think sometimes there are entrepreneurs that are kind of born entrepreneurs, but they're never put in the environment for that to flourish. So for me, I was born into a middle income, middle class family. My dad worked for Ford because automotive or Michigan. My mom worked full time as a as a beautician. And there was nobody on my horizon that was running their own business or entrepreneur or business person in any way. So the goal for me growing up was to graduate from high school, maybe go to college, maybe not, wasn't a huge priority in my family, but get a job where there's a union and get some, some security and stability and work for 30, 35 years and then retire. And, and that's it. Like, and, and, work, and by the way, while you're working those 30 or 35 years, Work as much overtime and as many weekends as humanly possible so that you can make as much money as possible. And that was the goal for me. And so I was like this plant that was starved of water and starved of food. I just was sitting there dormant. And I, I finally got to a place in my life where that entrepreneurial urge started kicking in a little bit. But I wasn't in an environment where I could really do anything about it. And no one was supporting it or encouraging it. So that's that five years was just me trying to escape the gravitational pull of my upbringing, right? If you think of it like a planet, like I was trying to get into orbit and it, I, it was a lot of energy to do that and a lot of mind shifting that I was doing without any help or any guidance. But, but once I did it and bought that first property and flipped it and made money, it was like a door being opened in my brain that I didn't even know existed. Like it was a drug. Honestly, it was it was like 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 sports people talk about playing is like a drug. That's why they have a hard time retiring sometimes. This doing my own thing, having my own business, flipping houses, having some control over my destiny was intoxicating. And and so from that point forward, I was all gas. Now, I told you I started with my wife as my partner. She's mostly break because she's grew up in a in a poor family and she's not a huge risk taker. So uh, while I was pushing gas, she was pushing pushing the brake. And we kind of operated that way for the first three or four years where I was learning and she was probably keeping me out of a lot of trouble because I would have gotten into more trouble had I just had nobody kind of holding me back. Um, and then at some point she just decided, you know, she wanted to back out. The stress and the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur was just not her thing. And so when she backed out at that point, I had enough experience and I was just all gas and took off from there. So my book, how I built my business to over a million dollars in 12 months, it was kind of like that overnight success, this band that you've never heard of. And then next thing you know, they're huge, but they've been working small gigs for five or six years. That was me. Yeah. I was sort of like toiling and bouncing off walls and not really knowing what I was doing for about four or five years. And at the time I, I was doing like a deal a month, maybe. And it all clicked. I, I joined a mastermind. You talked about it. I'm, I'm one of the owners now, but I got around, I surrounded myself with the right people. I was surrounded by the wrong people, frankly, when I was starting out. I surrounded myself with the right people, asked the right questions, and my business literally went from very little to almost nothing to doing like 10, 12, 15 deals a month and well over a million dollars. So that's, that's sort of like in a nutshell how it happened and why it happened. But, you know, I didn't know I was such a risk taker. But as it turns out, I'm a crazy risk taker. Like making moves with money is not stressful for me. The thought of not making moves 
that involve a lot of money is stressful because it starts making me feel like I would have to ever go back to that other life that I don't like. So I, 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 entrepreneurs are sharks, right? We have to be moving. When I stop moving, I feel like I'm drowning. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of why I do it. So what, what were some of the things that you did that kind of like gave you, I don't know, gave you the permission to start changing your, uh, your personality? Was it, was it joining masterminds? Was it reading books? Was it watching specific YouTube videos or following motivational speakers? What, what was it that, uh, that started making that click for you? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's, 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 uh, not intuitive to me, like, especially, uh, uh me years ago that you almost need that permission. Somebody has to sort of make it seem okay. And that's mm -hmm. funny you say that. I have a really good friend of mine, Andy McFarland, and he he has talked in front of people, you know, crowds and on stage and everything. And he has a whole presentation about giving the crowd permission to be successful, to to go out there and, and try to do what they want to do. So for me, it wasn't reading books. I'm I, I love reading books. I've read a million books in my life, but I'm not a big business book reader I, until recent years. I am now, but I wasn't back then. Um, it was surrounding myself with people who were achieving or had achieved what I consider to be success and being able to like spend time and just talk with them and realize they're not, <clears throat> they're not on Mount Olympus as this untouchable deity. They're, they're real people who are flawed and frankly, not necessarily smarter than me. Some of them probably are. Some of them aren't. It, it isn't about brains. I mean, I was thinking about this today in the shower in my mental preparation for talking to you. I, I think that tactics and tools and strategies will get you so far in business and as an entrepreneur. But what really what I'm realizing is it's mind shifts that really make the difference between success and just not necessarily failure, but not having the success you, the success you want. So I can give you like, like websites and, and apps and some tactics for like getting started in real estate and it'll get you to first base. You'll, you'll start making offers. You might get something accepted. You might flip a house, but to take it to another level where it's like, now I have like life changing uh, success or like I'm, I'm doing something that's going to make a long-term difference for me financially. And, and just in my brain, it's all, it's mind shift <clears throat> because I've, I have personally worked with hundreds of people who want to be real estate investors, or maybe they are, but they're not really where they want to be. And it's like, I give them all the same tools and some of them go out and just crush it. And they just, they explode their business and others sort of phase out. And I've given them the same advice. I've given them basically the same tools. It was structured to fit what they needed, but it's the same. So why do some people take that information and just run with it and, and build this great thing and others sort of like fizzle out? It's because one of them won't be denied and one of them will be denied. And, and I think that's the biggest difference. So for me, surrounding myself with the right people and having enough pain, pain's a motivator. It just is. And I'm, I'm starting to think as I get older, maybe I'm getting cynical, but I'm thinking pain is a greater motivator than pleasure because everyone wants to be a millionaire. Everyone wants to be a billionaire. Everyone wants to be the next, you know, Bill Gates or whatever, Steve Jobs. But just just wanting it was enough. We would all we would all do it. But some of us are complacent or comfortable enough, or the pain does the pain of trying it doesn't uh, surpass the you know the, the the need to be safe. 
And so I think that's, that's really what happens. And my, my pain of being where I was and not having a clear view of how I could ever get out of that became so painful that I overcame my fear of failure. And, and that's what I did, but it, it was mindset. So <clears throat> in our group, the seven figure flipping group, as it stands right now, there is a wealth of information available to people when they join the group. When I joined it, it was brand new. It was it was like it's in a beta phase, and there was nothing. There was nothing. There were there were a few people who were achieving at a higher level than me, but there was no material offered in this in this group. But somehow I was still able to do it without all the material that's available now because I asked the questions. And when people gave me answers, who I was asking, who were farther along than me and had the business I wanted, when I asked them a question and they gave me an answer, I executed. I didn't say, yeah, but it's different in my market. Yeah, but I was raised like this. Yeah, but I'm short, I'm old, I'm fat, I'm skinny, I'm, I'm a girl, I'm a guy. Like, I didn't do all that. I just said, how do I do this? And they said, here's how you do it. And I said, okay. And I went and did it. I wasn't going to be denied. I didn't have all the tools that other people have. I had more than some people and not as much as others. It didn't matter. I think people who won't be denied are the ones who win. And, and the only way you get to that point is to get to a point in your life where you just know you won't be happy going on the way you're going. And you're going to live with the regret that I talked about earlier. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. In fact, uh, I listened to lots of motivational speakers, and I think what you described right there was basically what they say, you know, over and over and over again, is that you've got to have uh, a big enough reason, a big enough why to make the the changes happen, because just wanting something isn't enough. There has to be enough motivation behind that. Um, yep. One of my one of my favorite motivational speakers, his name's Eric Thomas. He's from Detroit. Um, yeah, yeah, he, I know Eric. I know who he's I talking love, about. I've never met him. I know who he is. I like him too. He's good. Um, yeah. but you know, his, his whole deal is when you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe. And he gives this story where uh, a guru takes somebody out into the ocean and holds them under the water. And, uh, you know, he asked the person, you know, what did you want to do more than anything as you were under the water? And he's like, breathe. And he's like, when you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe while you're under that water, yeah. that's when you'll be successful. Yeah. So yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I mean, I, I appreciate you going through all that with us. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Most people, I just gave a presentation on this a couple months ago. Most people want you to give them a fish. They don't really want to learn how to fish. They just want to be given the quick answers, right? They want the silver bullet, but, but really it's less, it's less sexy, but the way that the way that you approach these challenges or the way you approach starting business or whatever it is, it's way more important than the tools that you're given way, way more important because uh, you know, I, like I said, the, those same tools will build a house. The same tools will sit on the ground and nothing will happen with other people because they just don't have enough. They don't have enough reason to to do it. it they're too comfortable. They don't want it bad enough. Whatever it is, the pain isn't great enough. It's just what it, it just it is what it is. People fear failure more than they want success. Well, like in my industry and, and for my audience and stuff, I mean, like I could give them a stock pick. I could say go buy Apple stock tomorrow. Right. But I guarantee you I would make more money on that same pick because I have viewed the whole picture here where it's like, what's my entry point? What's my size? Uh, if it goes down, how much am I willing to lose? And there's so much on, on the back end besides saying, go do this, yeah. that, that goes into being successful. And a lot of that comes from, I, I like to describe it as my Wall Street tuition, right? I would have never been successful in any way, shape or form had I not paid my Wall Street tuition. And yeah. uh, I think a lot of people are trying to skip that step. And, and honestly, I do try and help them. And that's why, you know, I started the podcast. That's why I have like courses and books and things that people can reference. I want them to skip that step. But in all reality, 
until they actually suffer those losses and then look back and say, oh, this is why I did that. Yep. Chris said you shouldn't do this kind of thing. Like one of my one of my key things is I like to throw away trades. And when I described it to somebody, they're like, what do you mean throw away trades? And I mean, like, like uh, I'm sure you heard about GameStop um, where it was going just meteoric a couple of weeks ago and then just crashed. Uh, let's say I got in GameStop, not that I would have, but let's say I got in when it was on its way up and then it turned around and went against me. I'm not going to have diamond hands like they say on the Wall Street bets or whatever. No, it's like, I'm going to throw it away. It didn't work out. And if I, 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 uh, I mean, I've read hundreds of stock trading books. Some are great and some are just really, really bad. Um, but one of them, uh, the, the author was describing, you know, like a stock chart where it's going up or down or whatever. And when it hits a line and you think, oh, it can't go down any further. And then it like falls to the floor. That's when most people don't know what to do because they're, they're stuck. They're scared. And at that point, it's like, you have to throw it away. You have to move on. You have to wash your hands of it. And you have to just not think about it again. You could trade that same stock in maybe two weeks, but right now nobody wants that stock and you want to be the person that's holding it when nobody else wants to hold it. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, there, there's a lot to be learned just from the experience, like what you're talking about there. Yeah. So I have a question, right? One of my friends, he's a, he's a real estate investor. And, and in my experience, it, I know he's doing well because he's able to not have a job. I mean, this is his, his job is the real estate investor. Yep. Um, but the way that he does it, I feel is uh, not something that I would be into. So I wanted to get your opinion, third party, <laughs> Not uh, okay. Not not having a bias in here. So the way that he does it, and this is his, he's actually third generation in his family that does it this way. They they uh, they go to lower income parts of town, and whenever a uh, a home comes available that's under fifty thousand dollars, that's their limit. So I was, you know, what kind of properties we're talking about here? Um, yep. They'll go in, and it may even be double wide uh, trailers and things like that. Anything under fifty thousand, they want they want. And um, they'll go in, they'll, they'll renovate it some. I mean, they're not like totally doing the works or whatever, but they're getting it back into livable shape. And then they are uh, finding buyers through owner financing. So, so they, as the owner of the house, are financing someone else to buy the house. Okay. But they also find the people who have really bad credit who can't get bank loans. And so they'll charge them 13 15% to do that with the, with, here's the thing, with the expectation that person will default and then they'll just get to sell it to sell it to somebody right. else all over again. Now to me, I mean, I understand the the math and the economics behind it, but I just don't like it. It just feels, ugh, it's, it's not where I would want to be. It just feels dirty. It feels gross. <clears throat> That's not where I thought you were going with the story, but I was okay until we got to the part of selling it to people with bad credit with the expectation. And I think the underlying implication here is the hope that they will default, right? That's where, he, that's where he lost me up to that point. There is a market. And I think it's a, it's a fair legitimate market where you find properties, you make them inhabitable or, you know, or, or okay for the, for the area that it's in. Mm -hmm. And you sell it to folks who want to be homeowners, but can't get finance because they've had some credit issues, right? The idea though, is you, Put, you you help them into that home 
and give them some tools and resources to help them improve their credit and that you hope that they actually do that and you give them every opportunity to do it and hopefully very few default. Like that, to me, that's a cleaner model, honestly. Um, hoping, putting people in a home that you expect to fail and, and kind of maybe are uh, unofficially hoping that they'll fail, that's where you lose me. I think that feels ugly a little bit. Yeah. Um, but you know, listen, it, it, when it comes to like under $50,000, right? If you're in California, unheard of, it's never gonna happen, right? If you're in like Michigan, I, I buy houses that are under $50,000 and they're in blue cat, blue cla blue collar, middle class, stable neighborhoods. They're not mm -hmm. like war zones necessarily. Um, and if you're taking that house and making it safe and, and compliant with the city and all the you know building inspections and you're trying and now selling it to someone at a high interest rate because they don't have good credit, again, not necessarily a bad practice. I mean, that's all they're going to get. And if they want to own a home, you're providing, you're filling a gap. It's, it's the hoping and, and planning on someone failing so that you can resell it again. And I assume he's taking a fairly decent down payment from them and hoping that they lose it. Yeah, that's I'm not my, sure about that. I just know it, that- I would almost guarantee he's taking a down payment. That's I've heard of this model before and yeah. that's that's the beauty of it. You get a five or $8,000 down payment on a $40,000 house, they can't get approved or they 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 kind of flush out and you get to keep that and then rinse and repeat that that's the the kind of crappy part of it mm -hmm. but yeah yeah it's the rinse or repeat model that that really bothered me <laughs> and i don't know if he necessarily wants them to fail but it's it's almost like it's expected like the kind of people yeah. that they've worked with that they understand the the clientele that they serve it's it's like an expectation so he's yeah. like you know i'm buying this i'm gonna you know sell it 28 times over before i actually get rid of it and in the process i'm gonna collect basically rent it's not ever going to be you know principal and interest um yeah for the life it's of it. it's definitely in the gray zone for sure and it kind of depends on how hard you lean into the people that you think are going to fail and how much you screen people who maybe have bad credit because there was a hospital bill that was in dispute and it hurt their credit like that kind of a thing right yeah. but people who are just habitual credit trashers like they just don't care and you bring them in and you get as much money out of them and then just wait for them to flame out on you so you can evict them like that doesn't feel good I don't, oh, I, I i've would... heard a lot of eviction stories from him and <laughs> i mean that's the yeah. clientele you know and, but, and but honestly the spin on this though, chris the spin on this though chris is yeah. you you and i don't know your friend and i don't know exactly what his intentions are but you could frame it as i know this guy who finds affordable houses he renovates them so that they're safe and he sells them to families who want to be homeowners, but need to work on their credit in the meantime. And then hopefully their credit improves and they can, they can just, you know, they can refinance out. Like that's the positive spin on what oh, he's yeah. doing. Now, Without if that's his intention, I think that's, that's fine that there's a place for that in the market. If it's more to the uh, uglier side that we talked about, then that's obviously kind of a gray at best area. So he is the reason why I have not uh, really got into real estate investing. And it's specifically that because he would tell me these horror stories of, you know, evictions and people coming out, you know, yeah. he's, he's just trying to collect his monthly, uh, monthly, monthly check and people are coming out with a shotgun because his text is here. Um, and so it's like, you know what, I, the, the people element of the investment that's what makes me a little bit nervous. Yeah. And you know, you really shouldn't shy away from real estate because of that model. That is one model 
in a hundred of that people do right like uh, house flippers take this ugly house this forty thousand dollar house they put twenty thousand dollars into it sell it for a hundred because it, it it actually will appraise for a hundred and some homeowner gets this brand new spanking house they're excited they're crying they're hugging you at closing like that's the other side of real estate yeah. right where we're yeah. and and we're improving neighborhoods because that house was probably an eyesore on that street until the house flipper comes along and and takes that ugly duckling makes it into a swan sells it to a new family or an older couple that just want to move into you know all that so it, it can be a very put it this way i told you i do a lot of wholesaling so i'm not even taking that house and making it beautiful i'm taking i'm going into a home of someone who has in a problem, right? And, and sometimes the problem is the house, sometimes it's not. But the solution is me buying the house and letting them cash out of it at a, at a significant discount, by the way. And I have people all the time, I don't go to closings anymore because I have a team, but we get hugs, we get we get uh, testimonials, video testimonials of people who just rave about how much we help them out of their situation that they were in. And so if I wasn't getting that, if I felt like I was deceiving or, even just like in a bad, like people were chasing me a shot, like I wouldn't do it either. I would run from that model. I wouldn't want to be a real estate investor if that was my only option. But, you know, there's a lot of good that that real estate investors do. But folks who are doing that that route, sometimes, you know, they paint us in a bad light, I, I think a lot of times. But that the folks that I know are, aren't doing that kind of stuff. So, so let me ask you about uh, somebody else in your field, um, Grant Cardone. Are you familiar <laughs> mm -hmm. with him? Mm -hmm. What do you think of him? What do you think I mean, he's a model? salesman. He's a salesman, man. Yeah. Um, you know, his business model, I don't know if it's exactly what everyone thinks it is, or maybe I'm wrong about what it is, but Grant, he does things differently than I would. He Listen, he's wildly successful, and I don't think he's a bad person. His cockiness and, and the way that he presents himself is not me. Yeah. It's not how I do it. Um, but I don't think he's, I don't think he's a fraud, or I don't think that he's a bad guy. He just He's a little much for my taste, um, but you know he, he's a salesman is what he is. I mean, he, yeah. he started off as a salesman. He's a salesman today. He's just selling different stuff, you know? Right. I mean, he has high ticket events and things like that, high ticket coaching that he sells. I do too, so I, I would be very hypocritical to, to be critical of him of that. I think that, I know a lot of people, put it this way, I know a lot of folks that I have admire quite a bit and I think quite a lot of, who really like Grant and what he has to offer. So I've never like bought his products or followed him super closely, but he's hard to not know because, right. you know, he's like a Gary Vaynerchuk. He's just, he's so out there that you just know who he is, whether yeah. you try to or not. So I, I don't have a strong opinion about him. I admire what he's been able to do. I, I think the his salesmanship and his ability to draw people in and give them you know, tools that, that are, by the way, his sales strategies and tactics, I've seen his videos and YouTube and stuff like that. Like he's a fantastic salesperson and what he has to offer from a sales standpoint, I think is, is absolutely, I have no problem with it. I think he's a high level salesperson who has a lot of knowledge that he passes on to folks and people use it and, and they're successful with it. It's just the way he does it is not me, but yeah. I don't fault him. For yeah, that. it just it comes off so slimy. And and to me, like it comes off distrust, uh, disingenuous and just like, I don't want to do business with you. Like, I just don't want. Yeah, to, um, some people are drawn to it and some people are repelled by it. Yeah. And I think that's his point. Honestly, I think he's trying. He's not trying to be everything to everybody. He's trying to be everything to some people. Yeah. You know, so I put it this way. He's not he's not naive about what he's doing for sure. And his personality that he, that he projects, it's not an accident. 
like it is who he is. I, I happen to know people who know him personally. And I've asked these questions like, is this dude really like this off camera? And they said he is. He's not putting on an act. That's how he is. It's just amplified probably from what it was 20 years ago. But he's he that's who he is. So yeah. he's he's just being himself. And, you know, like Gary Vaynerchuk, I mentioned him. I like I, I, I follow him quite closely. I like him a lot. He's very off putting to people. But yes. I like him. OK, I like so I love Gary V. Uh, my audience would know because um, he actually, so long story short, he is the person we asked about permission earlier. He's the person who gave me the permission to start entrepreneurship. Um, you know, a couple, two or three, maybe four years ago is when he really blew up. And that's when I caught wind of him. And um, I, I read his books, Crushing It, Crush It. Um, yep. What is it? Uh, jab, 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 Right Hook. Um, yep. You know, all, all of his books, been through all of them. And yep the podcast i kid you not there was a point in time where he's like you need to start a podcast you need to start a podcast and i'm like well maybe he's on to something that's when i started the podcast that was december 2018 that's when i started the podcast by may 2019 it had reached top 10 in the investing category on itunes and i'm like how in the world did me talking to my phone in an extra bedroom of my house make it to the top 10 in itunes like i don't i don't understand how this worked out so yeah, yeah i i love gary v uh, i uh i owe a lot to him for what he's uh, given me permission to do. Yeah, I have a quick story too. I don't think it's in my bio. It is in, I think there's a version of my bio that has it in it, but he had a, an event, has an event. I think it's, this was, this is his last year, but uh, Agent 2021 that he put on his first one was in 2018. It was in Miami. It was at the Dolphins football stadium. So I reached out to him to try to get him on my podcast. Like just, I'm like, I'm just going to do it. Like, right. I'm just going to reach out. Like what's the worst thing that can happen? And I tried a few times and I mean, when I say a few times, I mean less than five. And I get this email from VaynerMedia and says, hey, we're, we have this event. It's called Agent 2021. We'd like you to come and speak at it on what? stage. And I was like, wait a minute. How would they, the only way they could have found me, I, literally, because I, I, I wasn't, I would, there's no way he knew about me, was these correspondence. My guess is he got them. He's like, well, okay, who's this guy? He's on a plane. He's bored. He's like, who's this guy? He looks at my podcast, listens to a few minutes of it and says, hey, he can talk. Let's get him on stage. Like, I like him. That's the only explanation because there was no way I was on their radar for any other reason. So I spoke at Agent 2021 in 2018 in Miami in Dolphin Stadium at a Gary Vaynerchuk wow. event. It was crazy. It was super surreal, but it was awesome. I mean, it was just an awesome event. That that's crazy. I can't, I can't. And I, all that. I did was reach out to ask him to be on my podcast. And I, I did a couple other like correspondence, just talking about the jets and things. I'm a huge football fan. So just trying to talk about things that he, he enjoys. And like I said, then I get this, I get this email and he's like, Hey, I want you to, they, they're like, I want you to speak. It's just craziest, weirdest thing. It's no way it's a coincidence, obviously. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, like, if, if I hadn't started my podcast, like I couldn't imagine what doors I would have missed. Um, Cause like, yeah. Like, for example, like just you and I talking today. I mean, if I ever called you up and I was like, hey, Mike, what are you doing today? Oh, do you mind if I get like 45 minutes with you just like shooting the shit or whatever? You'd be like, no, yeah. I got, I'm, okay. I'm a busy man. Yeah. But, you know, when, when we can do this on on uh, it's not Skype today, it's Zoom. When we can do this on Zoom and then other people can gain value for from it. It's like a totally different experience. And yeah. I, I am so grateful for that, just that little push to say, you know what, Chris, here's your permission. Go to go start a podcast and see what comes of it. And yep. I mean, I, I have been able to interview people in my industry that I never thought I could ever reach. And I keep in contact yep. with them now. They're like, you know, 
they're I consider them colleagues or, or acquaintances yeah. or friends at this point. Yeah. And I, I've even been on TV. Like I've had three TV appearances this week. That would never have happened, Mike, had I not taken the step to to make this happen. So yeah, that's awesome. Sometimes you just got to just start just like the Just totally. Start Real Estate podcast. There you go. I love totally. tying things back around. That's kind of my deal. Dude, I can trace most of my success, if not all of it, back to my starting my podcast in 2013. Like at all the relationships and success and things that I can kind of like draw the dots and connect why they happen, it all started there. It's just crazy. You're <laughs> right. It won't have not happened. If, if I hadn't started the podcast, I would not be talking to you right now about it. Well, I mean- Tell me, tell me what it took to get to writing your book. How thick is your book? I'm just curious. How thick? Yeah. You got a real one there. Okay. <laughs> the reason I ask yeah. is uh, people, people have asked me to write and whatever. Uh, I, I have written 13, but they're like mini books. If you put them all together, they'd look something like that. Uh, but yeah. they, you know, they cover a topic or something. I've never sat down and been like, I'm going to crank out 200 pages of book. You know? Yeah, this is 212 is the, the page count. Yeah, um, what did it take? So it, there was there were some very specific things that happened. And so if you look at, if my, if my uh, history as an entrepreneur was a stock chart, it would be a very, very gradual increase. And then all of a sudden in around 2016, you just see a huge spike. And so if you're, you know, looking at that, you go, well, what happened right here? Like, what happened at the at the base of this meteoric spike? Well, a couple of things happened and and very specific things happened. And, and so when I talk about like on stage or whatever, like what I did to go from doing a deal a month to doing 10, 12, and sometimes 15 deals a month, people always wonder, how did you do it? What, what happened? What did you, so you were in business for about four or five years. And then on that fifth year, like what changed? And so I answer this question so often that I, I literally put it in a book. That's like the playbook of what I did to change my business from this like, you know, sort of a hobby level to a full on business with a team. You know, when I say a million dollars, it's not a million dollars in revenue. It's a million dollars in gross profits. Like that's not just, you know, people say I sold a million dollar house. I did a million dollars in real estate. No, you didn't you made 3% on a million dollars, right? Yeah. This is great, but it's not the same. So there were some very key things that I did during that time. I joined them. I joined a mastermind. I surrounded myself with the right people and I started asking questions and I started executing, right? But that's sort of like high level fluffy, right? The real stuff that, that changed in my business was I had, this, I had this thought or this limiting belief early on in my business that I couldn't hire in my business. I couldn't build a team and hire people because that was for big companies. Big companies hire people, not small companies. But I could never be a big company if I just did everything myself. There's, I don't have a bandwidth, right? So it's like this weird circular logic. Like I want to be a big company. But I need to hire people to be a big company, but I can't hire people because I'm not a big enough company, right? So it's just like crazy circular logic. So I learned what a what a you know how false that was. You can build a team. You can creatively build this team without having just tons and tons of salary going out the door. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be, everyone is not, doesn't have to have a 40, $50,000 salary. There are other ways to do it. And I'll talk specifically about how I did that in a second with, with some key hires. But the second thing I did was 
I learned that I needed systems and processes. So when I, at the time, right when things kind of took off, I was still flipping houses, but I was still going to Home Depot every time I got a house and picking out tile and picking out flooring, picking out paint and picking out fixtures. Like I was picking them out and they were different every time. Like how dumb is this? You're trying to create this process and this, this machine, but you're making everything this unique experience and there's no way to scale that. So I started realizing the power and not only was I not doing similar things like repeatedly. So I got some, some efficiency. I was also like everything that I did in my business was in my head. Nothing was down on paper. Nothing was, was a process that I could hand off to somebody. So even if I had a team, they would all be looking to me for all the answers because I had nothing down on paper. So I learned to create processes and I learned to create a systematic approach to flipping houses. The third thing that I learned, this was probably probably the most important, maybe hiring is the most important. Second most important is metrics, KPIs, whatever you want to call them, tracking your numbers. In, in the stock market, I'm sure this is everything. But for me, I was money was coming in, money was going out, but I didn't know how much I was keeping. I didn't know what was working. I was doing marketing. I didn't know what marketing was bringing in the deals. I have no idea. Like the phone was ringing. I was going out, getting contracts and flipping houses. Like I didn't know what was working and what wasn't. So when I finally surrounded myself with people who were running businesses like a business, they would go, well, how much money you spend on marketing? Like, what is your, what is your, you know, your, uh, your call rate for this mail that you're sending out or this, this PPC or whatever you're doing? Like how many calls does it take to get an appointment? How many appointments does it take to get a contract? What's your average contract value? Like what? I didn't have any idea. I knew none of these answers. And so I'm like, blew my mind. So when I started tracking my numbers, now I can see I'm spending money here, but the ROI is no good. It's terrible. So I'm going to either tweak it or eliminate it. But this thing, this is bringing in virtually all my business. Like I need to do more of this. I need to crank more money into that because that works. This thing doesn't work and this one's not working great. So I'm going to have to adjust that. Like you're at some point you're turning dials and you're just turning things up that are working and turning things down that are not working. But I didn't know any of this before I started tracking numbers. So hiring, systematizing, creating processes and tra tracking my numbers literally was the high level view of what changed my business. Now, people could be asking right now, like, okay, so how did you hire without having this huge payroll and all this? Well, at least in real estate, I can tell you one, one key thing that I did, and this is not unique to me, this can be replicated, but I never even thought about it. I stumbled upon it. And then I realized this is something that could be done over and over again. So at the time that my business was starting to like go up, it was starting to take off, I was really out doing everything and I am not a natural salesperson. It's not my, it's just not my nature. I, I do it and I did it in my business because it was necessary. And so I was, as the owner, I was doing it and I was, I was barely adequate. Like I was okay at best, right? That's not exactly the salesperson that you want handling sales for your company, someone who's barely adequate. So when I would roll up to a house and I was going to talk to a homeowner, like I would sit in my car for a couple of minutes, just mentally psyching myself up for this conversation that I'm not really excited to have. And so I, my business was kind of cranking along. I get this email from someone randomly and he's like, Hey, you know, I'm in your local market. I'd love to take you out for lunch and just pick your brain. Now I get these from time to time. You probably do too. I almost always uh, decline and try to be polite, but it's like, I, I would love to, but I don't really have time for whatever reason. I took the meeting 
sat down with this guy and he started asking me questions and he was interested in rentals and I was just kind of telling him how I find properties and just having this conversation. But I noticed the guy was real sharp. Like he was really, really good. He told me he was a salesperson. He was a pharmaceutical salesperson and he was just crushing it with this company. But he wants this real estate portfolio to kind of supplement his income and help him with retirement. So I answered his questions. We left. He sent me an email. Five minutes after we walk out of the restaurant, I get an email. He basically summarized our entire meeting and told me where he thought he could add value for free to my business in, in exchange for learning some of the more th things that I was showing him at a higher level. And so long story short, I ended up hiring him as a salesperson, but I said, listen, here's the deal. I don't have a lot of like, in, I, can't, I, don't, I can't have a set. You can't have a salary. I, I want to pay you. I know you offer to do it for free. I don't feel comfortable just having you do all this work for free. I'd like to pay you, but I'm going to pay you a commission. So when I get paid from a deal, I'll pay you a percentage of that. So you don't get paid if we don't close anything and I don't have to worry about coming up with money because I'm going to get it from the deal. He's like, fine. I would go on five appointments and I would average one contract, one deal for five appointments. He'd go on five appointments and he would average two or three contracts per deal. Now in real estate, where in my world, in my, in my city and, the, and what I was doing at the time, I was wholesaling by the time he came around, I was doing more wholesaling an average deal was 10 to $15,000, right? So he was getting me an extra two, one to two deals a month on the exact same opportunities. Like that, that's a big difference, right? So yeah. I brought him in, I paid him a commission. And by the way, he was working as an on the road salesperson locally in our market. He didn't quit his job right away. He was doing that. He was super good at it. They were giving him awards. And in a couple hours a day, he was working for me and I was building my business. So there are people out there that have time in their day. They don't necessarily need you to pay their mortgage, but they want to get into the business. They want to learn. They want to contribute. So that's one way that I did it, that I, I suggest other people try to do that as well, because that's the big stumbling block. I can't, I don't want this person relying on me to pay his mortgage because my business is small and I don't know where it's going, right? So we did that. Other people on your team, realtors and things like that, you don't have to pay them. Like realtors want to work with you because they want to close deals, right? So there's a lot of creative ways that you can bring people on. There's, you know, there's VAs in, in South America and the Philippines. Like there's a lot of ways that you can start assembling your team early on that really doesn't break the bank. And it's very, very effective, frankly. So that's really how we did it in the beginning before we really built out a team of people that were like full-time working for me in my market. You know, you, you had spoken earlier about how you, maybe this has changed now, but you, you were not the kind of person who wants to go and like make sales calls or make sales appointments. I am that way. Like, like when Gary Vaynerchuk talks about, you know, being the kid who's 11 and selling candy bars in the playground, I was the opposite of that person. Like I was so the opposite of that person when it was like time for boy scouts, when I had to go sell popcorn door to door or like for sports fundraisers where it's like, I need to go and sell the, the gift cards or whatever door to door. I would like, tear up to my parents be like I don't want to I don't want to I hate it I can't yeah. do it and like it's just like the I don't know and I and and as a salesperson at this point in my life where, where I've got entrepreneurship and, and trading and, and other things going on I'm still somewhat that way like I don't want to make sales calls I would much rather just talk on the podcast and in the podcast be like you know what I have this great product that I know works amazing and I can stand behind it very confidently yeah. Uh, and, you know, having the people, I guess you could say, call it like attraction marketing or something, right? The people who come to you, they want to learn real estate. Want, they want to learn from you yep. as the individual. People who come to me, they want to learn trading. They want to learn from me as the individual. I don't have to go and solicit, uh, you know, people who, who want to, to uh, 
come from your world into mine because they're naturally yeah. going to gravitate from one to the other kind of deal. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I completely <laughs> identified yeah. with that. I was, and by the way, once I brought that guy in and started paying a commission, he started taking the in the inbound calls and going on the appointment. So guess what I did? I cranked up my marketing because I didn't care anymore how many, my marketing was suffering because I really didn't want the phone to ring, honestly, because I didn't want to answer it. But once I wasn't answering it, I started dumping more money into marketing, which meant more calls, more appointments, more deals. And that's really what what was the, the strategy I used to really grow fast. Do you, uh, are you familiar with ClickFunnels or follow them at all? Yeah. 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 Uh, that's where, so Russell Brunson, he's like their uh, attractive character, you know, head person there. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's kind of what uh, helped me actually like make this from like a podcast and a hobby to like an actual business. I partnered up with uh, an artificial intelligence firm. And so basically I, I teach people how to trade using their artificial intelligence. And it's just mm -hmm. a really nice symbiotic relationship there. And then I sell a course that, that uh, it, it's like a self-liquidating product. I actually don't make much money at all on the course and then the, the upsells that go along with it. But then I make money from the artificial intelligence provider, which is basically I'm shoveling people over to it saying, this is what you need to know. This is what I trade with. This is what I trade with for years. They're amazing. I can stand behind yeah. them confidently. This is how I trade with them. And yeah. it's a really, really great process. And, and I don't at all feel sleazy or salesy or scummy because it's like, this is what I do. You want to do yeah. it too? Let's do it together. Totally. So it's like you use, so you use, um, ClickFunnels is like a landing page that basically yeah. Gives so ClickFunnels, they, uh, I mean, I, I love ClickFunnels. I, like I run everything through ClickFunnels, like my my um, autoresponders, um, my sales pages, my the membership yep. site that that uh, gives the course materials. Yeah, I run everything through there. Um, yeah, and like at first I was really hesitant because I, I heard ClickFunnels was somewhat like a pyramid scheme or a scam or something like that. But once I got into it and realized like just how great the software works, because yeah. I used to be on WordPress and like have all these WordPress plugins and, and, and I'd heard horror stories where one plugin needs an update and it breaks the other plugin and everything shuts down. And I'm like, I can't yeah. have that. That's, that's not yeah. the stress that I want at all. That's not my yeah. business. I just want it to work so I can focus on other things. Yeah. So that's where ClickFunnels, like it just, it all works together seamlessly. And that, that's what I like about it. So it's all, all conjoined together. I don't have to have plugin A that talks to plugin B kind of deal. Totally. Yeah. We use, we use click funnels and seven figure flipping a lot. And I've, I've actually had a, I've, I've shared the stage with Russell before he was at one of our, one of our live events. So I got to meet him and, and hang out with him. Yeah. yeah it's I, great. I could just, great uh, I, something about you, your, your speaking and stuff. I was like, I think he knows Russell. Like I just couldn't yeah. feel it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I've met him. I've, I've met him. He's, he's, a, he's, a, interestingly, I think he's a little bit of an introvert. I mean, I know he's yeah, out there, he a lot, but he's, yeah. he's a little bit of an introvert. So yeah, he's a good dude though. Good product for sure. We use it quite a bit in seven figures. So yeah. yeah. I mean, I identify with him too. Cause I, I'm that way. Like my, it drives my wife absolutely insane. Cause like, Oh, I can talk on TV. No big deal. I can have the podcast. No big deal. But like when we're out with stuff, it's like, Hey, Chris, we go ask that person this thing. I'm like, same. Can you, or like get one of the kids yeah. to do it? Yeah. Cause like, yeah. I don't want to. Yeah. yeah. I'm the same. I, I always tell people I need to speak to like a thousand people or one person because a group of 20 people is the worst for me. I'm, I'm just not yeah. comfortable in that environment. Yeah. You bring me to a little like dinner gathering, or whatever, with 20 couples or whatever, you know, 10 couples, like I'm as uncomfortable as I could possibly be. But if you say, okay, you need to get on a stage, there's 500 people go like, I'm fine with that. In this yeah. conversation, awesome. I, 
you know, like it's like uh, RIAs, like real estate uh, investment clubs, like local, you know, and clubs. You go to those, there's like 50 people, 75 people. Like I sit in the corner like a lump. Like I don't talk to anybody because I'm just, I'm, I'm introverted by nature. Yeah. So, but you if know, one person comes up to me and wants to talk, I'll talk all night. I have yeah. no problem. I, I'm that way with like networking events. I got to yeah. the point where it's like, no, I will not go to another networking event because every time I go there, it's uncomfortable as hell. Everybody just wants something. They don't actually like yeah. want to make this a, a great network event. They're like, what can you do for me? Can you do something for me? Yeah. If you can't, then don't talk to me. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know what you mean. Networking events are, are just rough for me. Yeah. Honestly. It's and, nice. uh, the worst for me is when my wife like introduces me to her friends that she's like super chummy with and everything's great. And I'm all like awkward, not saying anything. <laughs> she hates yep. that. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way, man. Um, my wife is frankly like me too. So we're just like this whole COVID like shelter in place and all that. No problem. We could skate through the year. It wasn't a big deal for us. So, and Michigan was particularly strict. So, yeah, you know, a lot of people were like, I'm going to go crazy. And we're like, I work from home. She actually, she was a teacher. She just retired last year, but yeah. So we're just fine, man. We're like, no problem. I'd like to be able to go out to dinner. That'd be nice to have restaurants open. But other than that, this is easy. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, but I got to ask real quick, where can people grab the the new book, How I Grew My Business to Over a Hundred for Over a Million Dollars in 12 Months? 100 million would be so great, you go, but kind of Yeah, you can that. go to Amazon, Amazon, look up Level Jumping, you know, by me, Mike Simmons, or you can go to my website, mikesimmons.com, and it'll be a little pop up that'll happen. Click on that, it'll take you right there too. So, um, but this is, I just found this out. It's very distressing, but I do have a text uh, short code that people can text me and get a free digital copy of the book oh, cool. if they would like to do that. Um, totally free. It's a full version. It's just digital. Obviously, it comes to your your email. But if you text the number 5544, so it's 55444, and type the words, just start, two words, just start you'll get a free digital download of the entire book. Now it's distressing because I've just re heard that the phone companies are now like banning these five digit numbers. Oh. Um, so if you're going to do it, I don't know when this is going to go live, but when, if you're going to do Ooh. it, do it soon because I think by June 1st, those five digit short codes will no longer work. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. So I have a, a podcast <laughs> sponsor and um, we, we do different, um, creatives with them and they were they were telling me that that was the next plan was they were going to have a short code that people can text and get on and they're like chris we got to put this on hold we got to figure this out but they didn't tell me that oh wow okay now that makes sense because they they kind of ghosted me for a while and now i understand <laughs> their, yeah, their project it, it actually, just blew up it was supposed to go it was supposed to the ban was supposed to start on march 1st but like all these companies that use these codes lobbied and so they they pushed it back to june 1st but as of june 1st they're supposed to not work anymore so uh well really we don't want that we want people to buy your book we want them to help support you truthfully. that's true yeah, yeah go to amazon and uh by the way if you do whether you get digital or you go buy one Read it and then give me an honest review. Like just like with podcasts, right? You guys, anyone listening to this podcast should be going to Chris's site on you iTunes or wherever you listen and give him a rating and review. That is literally currency for podcasters and for authors. Like those rating and reviews help quite a bit. Help us get found. So that's it's it's easy to do and it and, really helps. You know, I uh, I will say that the reviews, um, kind of like comments, sometimes they can hurt. You know, but but I think that that's that's a good thing, right? Um, I, I had somebody leave a, a review early on that was like, there's way too many ads. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Cause I was running like three mid roll ads during the show. Okay. And, um, I never really thought about it. Cause I just figured, you know, 
best practice, you know, run ads and make money on yeah. it and, yeah. you know, support it kind of deal. Uh, but after that, I was like, you know what? They're totally right. So I kind of just like, you know, put the ads right at the beginning and we'll just talk. And yeah, yeah so far that's been good. But then, you know, I can't go and change that person's review. So it's what it is. It is what it is. But I think by and large people go and, and they give, you know, if they enjoy it, they go and give a great review. But you know, I honestly get, just give him a five-star review. Okay, guys, that's what I'm getting at here. Give him a five-star review. He's and you too. And on your podcast, the just start real estate podcast. Like I want you to, to, to finish this episode in it's entirely entirety, obviously. And then head on over to Mike's podcast and start listening to him. Cause obviously he knows a lot more about this sector and will give you additional investment ideas and opportunities, which is the exact yep. reason I want to have him on and learn from him and get you guys exposed to him as well. So, Mike, Absolutely. this has been great. I really appreciate your time. I, uh, I've learned a lot. And uh, I, I appreciate also that it wasn't just a like a, a pitch fest for your, your uh, podcast or your book or anything else, but like a real nice conversation. So I thank you for that. Well, thanks for having me on. I had a lot of fun too. I, I, I do a lot of interviews. You interview a lot of people and, you know, we, we both know whether we admit it or not, there's interviews that are fun and there's interviews that are not as fun. Right. So yeah, this, this yeah. was a good one. You're a good interviewer, very conversational. I love it. So I had a good time. I, I oh, appreciate you. you. I appreciate it. Yeah. There's been two where when I got done, I'm like, yeah, this, uh, it, there's, there's a lot of fake gurus in my industry. And there were two of them where I'm like, that dude's a fake guru. Like I'm yeah. not going to ever name names, but when I was done, yeah. I was like, I don't even want to publish this, but I did. So yeah. it's what it is. Yeah. So Mike, yeah. really, thank you so much for your time. Thank you uh, for everything you've done for us today. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. And thank you guys for tuning into today's How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast. Make sure you like, subscribe, and enable notifications. That way you never miss any of the tools, tips, and tricks that we upload every single week to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And I'll see you on the next episode. Okay, so what'd you think? That was pretty incredible, right? Now, if you like that, that's only a taste, only a sample of what you're gonna find in the full AI stock trading system. And I really highly encourage you to go and check this out. Obviously, you are interested in learning and how to trade, and that's why you're listening to this podcast. Now, I'm going to take and download my entire trading system that I use day in and day out onto you. <laughs> and the only way I'm gonna be able to do that is over at the AIStockTradingSystem.com. You're gonna get phase one, two, and three, several bonuses. And on top of that, I'm going to walk you through over a dozen trades that I put on inside of my account, holding your hand and showing you exactly how I got in, how I got out, how I use the artificial intelligence data, and how this could work inside of your own trading portfolio on a daily basis. So make sure you head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com to learn more and to get started and to download my decade plus worth of trading experience into your hands so you can start using the AI Stock Trading System today, the five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading. Hey, if you like this video, let me know by leaving me a like below and then subscribe and share it with somebody you think could use it as well. Be sure to comment below with your biggest takeaway from this episode and any suggestions you have for future episodes. And finally, make sure you watch these other videos to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And I'll see you on the next episode. 10 minutestocktradercom content is for information and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, trading or investment advice or recommendation that any security, futures contract, options contract, transaction, or other financial instrument or strategy is suitable for any person. Trading securities can involve high risk and the potential for total loss of any funds invested. 
10minutestocktrader.com and Christopher Yule, through its content, financial programming, or otherwise, does not provide investment or financial advice or make investment recommendations. Investment information provided may not be suitable for all investors and is provided without respect to the individual investors and audience's financial sophistication, financial situation, investing time horizon, or risk tolerance. 10minutestocktrader.com and Christopher Yule are not in the business of trading securities trades, nor does it direct client commodity accounts or give commodity trading advice tailored to any particular client situation or investment objectives. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Yule are not licensed financial advisors, registered investment advisors, or registered broker-dealers. Stocks, options, futures, futures options, and other financial instruments not included here involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. You alone are responsible for making your investment and financial trading decisions and for evaluating the merits and risks associated with the use of any financial security and broker platform. For more information, please visit 10MinuteStockTrader.com legal. And thanks for stopping by.